Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Today, there's just way too much going on. Oh, my God. Sherlyn and I and everybody at the site are underwater. This week, yeah. Yeah, this oh week, this month, everything. Um, Sherlyn's still reeling from all the Apple reviews, but now we've got a ton of Amazon news. We've got a ton of, uh, we've got some news from Google, which dare to have an event the same freaking day as Amazon. And Sherlyn is also, uh, has reviewed the Apple Watch Ultra. We'll be chatting about all those things, so stay tuned for that. As always, folks, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you're getting podcasts. If you dig us, leave us a review on iTunes. Drop us an email at podcastandgadget.com. You can also join us on the live stream on our YouTube channel Thursdays, typically around 10 a.m. Eastern. We're a little later today, but, you know, just follow there. Uh, You can see where the exact timing for the episode is if you're subscribing to us on YouTube. Okay, Sherlyn. So I feel like we go through many, many product events, you know, and for (sighs) some reason, it is the Amazon event that I always dread the most. So, really? Yeah, because l- let me give listeners a little background here. Typically, most other companies k- kind of give us a glimpse at the news. Like, we can prepare, we can write stuff, we can, we can get ready. Amazon, Amazon well, don't do that. Well, know? there's also, don't forget, there's also Apple. There's that also Apple, but us in advance. we care more about Apple products, right? Like, they're... They, they matter a little more than the next Kindle Fire or than the next Fire, you know, uh, streamer or something. So I don't know. I, I think what it is is more that like there's just so much more in terms of leaks, right? Yes, and there's so yes. many more credible leaks for Apple that we're better able to prepare for an Apple event than an Amazon event. Be- before we get too much into this, everyone, I just want to give you a heads up that we will be saying the Amazon Assistant's name a bunch of times during this segment. So you might want to go ahead and mute the microphone on your Amazon speaker right now. I think basically um, there's maybe lack of interest in the in the leakers, although there were some things that uh, that popped up along the FCC. But uh, yeah, so we have to sign up to co- basically watch this Amazon event, a special link for media to watch while Amazon Lives blogs it. It's just a whole scramble to get everything done, folks. So if we sound tired, it's because we've juggled that. We're dealing with so much of stuff. And they typically also drop a ton of news in a really short amount of time. So it's, it's always a scramble. Uh, this year, or at least this season, because I think maybe they have multiple sometimes, uh, I think the biggest thing is a new Kindle 
that they uh, that they announced the Kindle Scribe. It is a Kindle that you can write on, and I feel like that is that's something. It is a big Kindle. It's a 10.2 inch, 300 ppi display, basically as big as an iPad. Um, looks like there is you know one side is good for holding. It comes with a stylus that you can jot notes down on, um, or just like anything. You could do anything. You could draw. You could write. Um, it's going to start at three hundred forty dollars. I I looked at this thing and I was like, man, remarkable. And I know. Remarkable, the tablet company, by the way. Uh, and any other company that has like an e-ink uh, tablet with a stylus, you're done. You're dead because unfortunately, like Amazon is kind of the killer e-ink company. But uh, what do you think of this thing, Trillin? I mean, for, my first question was kind of, is there like an onboard attachment or slot for that stylus? It's magnetically, from what I saw, there there is a loop. And I also saw something like it, it just attached to the side. But yeah, you're right. Unless the stylus slides in somewhere, you're probably going to lose it. I think everyone's going to have that problem. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the idea is there. This is an e-ink tablet for us to write on. And, you know, co- like kind of a coincidence. Last year, Samsung did away with the Note line. And this year we got a Kindle scribe and like, you know, note takers are never going to be left behind. Don't worry. We had Remarkable, you said, like has been around for a little bit and and carving a niche for itself in the e-ink uh, tablet space with the like stylus and everything. Um, I had the pleasure of like kind of playing with one, like, I don't know, a while ago. I, I just love it, right? Like it's, it's, oh, it's nice. With it's the a, latency, with the, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, it, it's nice. It I think the remarkable design is sleeker and looks a little cleaner than Amazon's Kindle design. I kind of hate the way all of Amazon's products look like, unless they get to the really expensive Kindles, which I guess this is one of them. They're all a little clunky. They're not as polished as I like them to be. Uh, the remarkable two um, is two hundred seventy nine dollars, so cheaper than this kindle but i believe there there is a um there's a subscription it's a three dollar a month subscription to power to get to their cloud stuff and i feel like that has every time i've looked at that tablet i'm like i don't want to deal with a subscription to this company that may not exist in a couple of years and then i'm stuck with a tablet that you know may not fully function are you excited about an e-ink you know writing tablet drilling I, gosh, I mean, like, I was, I used the Galaxy Notes when they were, you know, basically little e-ink tablet notepad things, and, I mean, there's a lot at work, like that has to be figured out here. First of all, does Amazon have good handwriting recognition? Does it have good palm rejection? There's a lot of questions we don't yet have answers for. Um, I am excited by the idea. I'm just not sure the execution will be there, and also... Like how, how how much do I write things down nowadays? I yeah, don't know about y'all. Yeah. I don't do that all that much anymore. Even though I keep wanting to, I have the urge. To. I think we, we a lot of us have just stopped handwriting because yeah, we have I've I've I tap more if I'm out reporting somewhere. I'm tapping notes on my phone furiously. You know, if I'm not at my keyboard, I'm doing notes on my phone. I'm like recording audio. I'm with just my voice phone. recording and then yeah. transcribing. And transcribing, it. you could do that. Um, but our phones kind of handle the most of it. But I do miss handwriting. You know, I miss jotting down notes. I miss like scribbling. I try to have a reporter's notebook that I rarely ever use. So. I feel like if I was in school, especially uh, for kids in college um, who want like a bigger interface for reading books and also want to jot down notes, uh, because I did always like that with physical books in college, um, this could be better than like a standard e-reader. Um, yeah. But also at this point, if you really want to do this, you probably just get like an actual tablet, right? A tablet with a stylus and... Like the Apple, the yeah. iPad, 
pencil thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, that those look good, and they're you're not restricted to like certain colors. I do wonder what the the build um, and size and weight of this is. Um, maybe a more lightweight tab, like you said, the remarkable was very well built, and you could just take it anywhere with you. There's also like other things out there, like a rocket book, right? Like an actual, <laughs> I've never heard of a rocket book. Oh, the rocket book started off as this like book that you can like microwave and erase the marks you've left on it, but then it evolved, and so now you can't really microwave it, but you can write on it, erase it, and reuse it, so it's environmentally a little bit more friendly. And then whatever you write on it, you can like scan to the cloud or whatever so the whole idea of writing things down i still love i still think of it as a way to kind of like organize my like huge thoughts if i have big plans i need to draw up my my first instinct is still to go to pen and paper but the the important part of it is how do you keep those notes how do you then store them how do you digitally search them so then we don't know and like when i handwrite notes like i want to I typically I write more in cursive than I do in print. And then my cursive notes are just like really fast jots. Like it's almost like doctors writing. Like if I look at it, I could read it. I feel like most other people looking at my like actual cursive may not be able to. And unfortunately, OCR and computers like cannot deal with cursive at all. Like unless you're printing down, you're you're kind of screwed. Here. I love so, cursive. Yeah. Some of them pick it up. But yeah, you're right. Most of the time cursive trips people up. Yeah. So. Uh, question from Turbine uh, in the chat. This is not with Android, right? Uh, uh, they say, like, I think some may want to use another platform to keep their notes on. Th- yeah, this is not Android. Um, this is Amazon's Kindle ecosystem, you know. So I be- if you're an existing Kindle user, like, this may actually work for you. Um, a lot of that data, you know, your books are all stored in the Amazon library. I, that's generally been pretty stable for me. I think the only issue people have had with Amazon is um, Comixology. The integration between Amazon and Comixology has been rocky. I know friends who've like lost some books that they had bought before Amazon bought Comixology, so they have to like go and ask to you know, get things reinstated. So uh, Amazon's cloud seems okay, but you're right. This isn't Android. Um, maybe you'd be able to get apps. Uh, there are Kindle apps on iOS and Android for you to access something, so maybe you'd be able to get, to get it that way. Like, right, you'd yeah. be able to store your notes and access them through your phone still. Mm-hmm. Through the like, Amazon app, maybe. One of my favorite Kindle things, which is kind of an un, you know, not not really a heralded feature, but you can you can get an email address and you can forward any email or article or books, anything to your Kindle address. And I used to have like if then that's uh if then that this, if that. else if yeah. I have triple T. I have triple T. If this T, then that. If this then that. Uh, <laughs> I used to set up routines for like if I save something to pocket, it would like get pushed to my Kindle. And that was always super useful. So there are a lot of ways to move this data and utilize it, but you got to have to use your tricks here. So anyway, I think this thing is cool. Maybe too expensive. Um, I would love to play with it at some point. Oh, me too. I know. Uh, yeah. We can't wait to get our review unit and we'll see. That'd be fun. Um, I know you were also excited, which is funny, Sherlyn. You were excited <laughs> about Amazon's Halo Rise, which is their $140 bedside sleep tracker, even though you're also the person who hates sleep well, gadgets well yeah well yeah. well well caveat being i hate sleep gadgets that i have to wear right, to right. bed i love tracking my sleep i love getting sleep insights but i hate wearing bulky ass watches to bed so this is like a potentially good implementation right and let's start by saying amazon 
is not the very first company to do something like this, right? Google already introduced like um, sleep sensing via radar on the Nest Hub second generation, like the smart display. So this is also, it's, it's a bedside sleep tracker too. But Google's thing is more of a smart display with this feature built in, whereas Amazon's Halo Rise is a dedicated device built to track your sleep from next to your bed. It's also um, a wake-up uh, light, too, which is exactly. nice. Exactly. So nice, it's know. got um, no cameras, no microphones on it, according to Amazon, and it uses a contactless or a non-contact motion sensor to look for patterns in your body movement while you're in bed and then decipher if you're, you know, asleep and also what sleep zone you're in based on your respiratory rate. So... I mean, cool. Uh, and then every morning you can wake up, you can set a smart alarm and the light that's built in will glow slowly, gradually with the sunrise. The sounds of to... angels will ring and you will just uh, wake up fully uh, refreshed. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, also, I mean, it's also kind of like a clock so you can see the time, but it also got, it's also got like sensors on it um, to detect like what your environment is like. So if your bedroom is a little too cold or a little too humid or a little too bright, um, it'll then in the morning tell you, or I mean, maybe after some time, it'll be like, hey, you slept better when it was colder at night, or hey, you slept for longer, or you entered more REM sleep when it was, you know, more humid in, in the night. So I think, honestly, this is all in theory, right? We don't know yet whether it works as advertised. That's, I, I, I have called dibs on reviewing this one, just FYI. Uh -huh. um, but my manager is very concerned for my well-being. Yeah, all maybe, like, maybe don't review. No, no, he's like, one. well, 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 don't rush to review this. So this is something that maybe I'll do more of a long-term thing about. But, you know, I'm very excited because finally I might be able to track my sleep without wearing something to bed. Now, I'm fully aware there are things like mattress sensors out there uh, that I could use as well. But somehow like a mattress sensor feels a little much a little much know. you don't want to you don't want anything to feel like i wouldn't want to feel the mattress sensor i know those have existed for a yeah, while yeah i'm totally the princess mm -hmm. and the pea i'm mm -hmm. that princess mm -hmm. <laughs> one thing i will say is i don't know this is a cool idea if it was from a company other than amazon you know maybe other than some other companies i don't fully trust i'm more like what what are you doing with this data, Amazon? Like, what what are you gonna sell to me after this? Like, oh, I see, I see you're you're really taking a long time to get to sleep. Here here are some subscriptions to, uh, you know, what do you call it? The the sleep uh, pills that people have. What sure, you, sleeping pills. Yeah, sleeping pills. Something something like yeah. that. Um, yeah. Here here's a book that can help you relax. Hey, I hear yeah. uh, exercise is a great thing to help you get some sleep. Here's the Amazon exercise device. They, it is a company that. I think it's comically bad at some of this stuff. And also I have echoes in a lot of rooms in my house because unfortunately I find it very convenient. I do like that product, but it won't shut up. I don't yeah. know if you have this problem, Sherlyn, but I, I used to, mm -hmm. if I ask it for a question, be like, by the way, did you know you could blah, 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 blah. I'm like, shut up. Please stop talking to me. Um, I ask it to play white noise occasionally if the baby is sleeping in the room with us. And it will be like, um, before it plays the soothing noise that I desperately need right now, it's like, by the way, you like our free white noise. Would you like to pay for an ex better white noise? Of course they ask that. Of course of they course. ask that. And also I'm like, shut up. I I just want white noise. So Yeah. yeah. I, no, I my knows? favorite my favorite is when it like suddenly glows and there's like the notification thing. And you know, we are so trained to have to like not have those notification rings on. So I'm like, hey, what's up? What 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 you gotta tell me? They're like, by the way, I was like 
you you rang yeah. to tell me that yeah, you can the ring. They were like, by the way, did you know blah blah blah? Or like, by the way, this pack your. I mean, some of my friends have um, echoes at home, and they find it helpful to help them track and order their like groceries and refill for them. But I'm like, <laughs> it's very annoying. Yeah, leave me alone. Don't give me a notification just to tell me you can do things. I don't want you to be in my life so i unplugged it so bitch is out of my life so uh yeah i feel like amazon still doesn't get that balance how is that i mean you tested and you wrote about their like fitness tracker that was also their mood tracker is that thing does it still exist is it still a thing happening so halo the the halo band uh initially was that screenless thing that would detect your tone and then last year the company you know unveiled the new halo band which basically looked like fitbits uh we didn't review those because cheaper Fitbits, cool, thanks, bro, we're good. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the most high priority thing. And I don't know that Amazon made that big of a push other than on Prime Day when it was like, hey, you can get our cheap fitness trackers for even chick cheaper. Um, the tone detection feature was always just like kind of weird. It wasn't very insightful. Immediate pushback. Immediate pushback. Immediate Everyone was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Right. But then but then when I actually tested it out too, it was like, you're not telling it's like me you're breaking was... all of our sensors. You're too sassy. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I mean, you. there's yeah. that. Halo was like, I can't. Please. Halo was like, <laughs> I I give up. Like she walked yep. off. It walked off. No. <laughs> the the thing was like and as a refresher, like you would get um you know, people, the, the thing would detect your tone throughout the day and listen to like, you know, and, and tell you, oh, you sounded sarcastic. Oh, you sounded happy at this time of day. But it wouldn't have any voice recordings for you to refer back to. It used the microphone to, to detect your tone, but it didn't record anything, right? That's a whole privacy thing. So when I would look back at the end of the day and be like, oh, I was sassy as hell in the morning and then like really happy in the afternoon. What happened? I can't, there's no data to tell me what happened. So that was when I tested it two years ago. And now I haven't since because why do I need someone to police my tone or tell me? Especially, especially Amazon. Maybe we need some sort of holistic device too, because I've been doing like the Noom app for like, you know, tracking what I'm eating and stuff like that. Just That's the metabolism one, right? It's not, I mean, it's it's just like diet. Oh, it's a diet app, you know, basically. Noom, uh, mm-hmm. Noom caught a lot of flack. I don't know they, if they you They catch a lot in, of flack. Yeah. But I'm thinking like we have all these services that do like kind of different things. But what you want is something that will help you like, hey, by the way, let me help you sleep. Let me help you like, hey, let's just keep track of your calories automatically. Um, how is this stuff making you feel? Maybe you shouldn't have a burger for lunch because you feel really lethargic afterwards. The, you need kind of one device or one platform to kind of unify all that stuff. And we don't have that. That would be well, like the ideal. Yeah. That's what uh, that's what some companies are trying to do, right? Like Apple and Google. I'm sure they're trying to do that. So. I, you can't. It, they do it great for uh, exercise and stuff, but not for like food tracking, not for like so many different things. They have things. the, f- yeah, they have features. They just don't, yeah, they don't, don't give them ideas. They're going to buy my fitness pal or something. I mean, so. they, they absolutely will. So anyway, Halo Rise, it's a bedside sleep tracker. It is really weird and creepy and Trillin, <laughs> for apparently that is, that is good. That you know me, <laughs> spooky season. I love everything creepy. Give it's me. spooky season. We've got Give a me. bunch of other Amazon products. Yes. So let's just let's just move through here. There's a new Echo Studio that has an improved spatial audio processor, which is kind of cool. I I like the first Echo Studio. I bought one of those. It's in my kitchen. It is very loud. The like 360 degree sound is actually pretty good because it does a good job of making you sound like 
you're not listening to a speaker. You're not listening to like a you know a bunch of speakers in one place. It kind of expands the sound, which is similar to what um, you know Apple is doing with the HomePod and everything. So it actually sounds pretty good for what it is. So I bought it because I like good speakers. Um, getting improved sound. The Echo Dots are also getting improved audio, and Echo Dots are also getting Euro Mesh Wi-Fi tech built in. That is super cool and interesting. But again, would like to point out that mm-hmm. Google already did that. But yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. That Google also did that, but it's nice to have, you know, the option for both platforms, you know, because you're either, you know, if you, if you're going for a smart home assistant, like you kind of have to stay within the ecosystem. Yep, so yep. to have so more this feature having, out there. Yep. Absolutely. Sorry. Super cool. mm-hmm. I also want to point out that the Echo Studio costing just $200 is pretty impressive good deal. to me. That's a yeah. good deal. Like that's also kind of why I ended up getting it. I think I also bought it on sale. Um, so hold out for sales if you guys like any other stuff. But the Echo Studio, as like a centerpiece speaker that you just want to throw music to or a podcast or whatever, or just like talk to uh, as an Alexa device, sounds incredible. And it's probably better. Other things. Amazon announced their first QLED Fire TV, which looks like, you know, last year they announced the Fire TV Omniline. Now they're bumping up to QLED, which is the sort of, uh, it's LCD tech with quantum dots and something everybody's been doing for a while. It gives you better color, uh, better accuracy in general. These look nice. Um, let me see here. $800 for a 65-inch, $1,100 for a 75-inch. Not bad, but when it comes to TV stuff, um, wait for sales if you're going to buy one of these or buy like a known brand. Like I would trust TCL more than uh, more than any of these Amazon things. So just, you know, be aware there. There is a new Fire TV Cube, which I wrote up, and um, it's another cube. It's it's a slightly <laughs> rounder cube. That's kind of the big thing. It can talk to your uh, cable box, so you can issue Alexa commands if you have one of those. There's an Alexa Voice Remote Pro, which, you can, which doesn't come with the Fire TV Cube, by the way. I, I did get them to confirm that. So they announced a new remote. You have the to remote, buy it separately. Yeah. The remote's another 35 bucks, but it also has uh, more buttons, shortcut buttons. And you can also tell Alexa to be like, hey, where's my remote? And it'll start like the remote will start, you know, making noise in case you dropped it under the couch or something. I think that's pretty cool. There are also some new features for Alexa that are more into, I don't know, uh, there's improved, improved clothing search, a deeper integration. Oh, yeah. Shopping and yeah, that sort of thing. Eh, I don't know. Of course, everything is for shopping. Everything's about commerce. Amazon just wants your money. Any way it can make Alexa. See, I said it. Uh, Any way it can make its assistant better at doing that, it will do. Alexa is growing. The Astro Robot is getting some upgrades for home and business. It can keep an eye on your pets while you're at work or uh, basically act like a security sentry in your office. Uh, This thing was originally released for $1,500. It's on sale now for $1,000. So if you really want an 80s-esque robot crawling around your home, uh, that's kind of a thing. I feel like this is something you would probably want at some point, Trillin. It's cute as hell. So I I saw like um, a different robot recently that was um, supposed to be for pets, I guess, where it would dispense treats and snacks. And I, at first I missed the memo that it was for pets. And I was like, oh my gosh, a robot that would follow me around and dispense treats? Yes, <laughs> give me. I got so excited. And yeah. then it was like, no, yeah, yeah. it's for it's for dogs. And I, cats after the treats were in your mouth, you were like, oh, wait, no. Hmm. I have not. No, I made, have made yet to taste mistake. a dog treat. No, we've all <laughs> yeah, made but, that mistake. Okay. <laughs> we probably have, but no, I could see this. I could. I mean, I. I personally want to have an Astro in my home. That is for sure. I, you know, other than bringing me treats and carrying things around for me, though, I don't really know what else I would do with it. Like, I don't need a security sentry. Yeah, you don't need it. 
maybe Not maybe yet. somebody with an office or or with a home too. Like you know, uh, I, I'm living in a house outside of Atlanta now. It's like sometimes I'm like. I have no idea what's going on in the basement. You know, I don't have any idea what's going on, on the first floor if I'm if we're upstairs and then I could use I could I could just get the sentry that this estro for my building because my neighbors would appreciate it. We're always snooping on well, oh, yeah, <laughs> the that's, front that's door. What you do as neighbors, but also again, <laughs> do. I, I do not I don't want Amazon to have this just like fully what's astrid doing what is astrid just sitting around the house doing it's just like why is it blinking yeah why is yeah. it blinking why is it a 3d scan why is it scanning <laughs> my entire home why is it looking through my pantry why is it raiding my fridge yeah, exactly. exactly um what what does it know and what is it saying to amazon and i this is a company i can't trust you know that's when we talk about a lot of these products i can trust amazon enough to be like okay i'll have an echo speaker in my house because i do like voice commands for stuff and a lot of that information, not super big of a deal. Um, full like video ability to walk around my house wherever, um, especially after we've seen evidence of Amazon workers basically like saving Echo call like voice logs and could be using them badly. I don't trust this company. I feel like they have a lot of work to do to really get there. Um, so anyway, Astro Robot, I'm not a huge fan, but who knows? I will probably end up having to test this at some point. So. I guess we will see how it goes. Um, there's some stuff with Blink. Blink is adding a uh, its first wired camera. Ring is getting radar re detection on the Spotlight Pro. I do kind of like spotlights, again, for outside uh, uh, my house here. Uh, I set up Arlo cameras all around, so mm -hmm. it catches things. It catches, like, there's a raccoon that loves to walk up in through my backyard and into my deck and, like, just starts poking around looking for food. Aww. and. It's good to know for that. Luckily, we have a fenced-in yard. But if we didn't have a fenced-in yard, there are coyotes in this neighborhood. There are deer. There are people who have seen mountain cats and a bear not too far away from here. So sometimes good to know uh, what is happening around you. So, you know, that, that could be good for the Ring Spotlight Pro. Uh, we talked about the era Wi-Fi extenders. Echo Audio is getting redesigned. Uh, one other thing. Auto, yeah. Echo Auto, Yep. Yeah. And one other thing that's kind of interesting is that um, they did announce a power over Ethernet Euro device too, which is kind of cool. So if you have Ethernet run around your home or business, you just kind of yeah plug that thing in. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a power over Ethernet device, Sherlyn, but it is. I used to deal with it in IT, and it always feels like magic. It's just like, ha! Huh, I just plug in the internet and Ethernet, and it turns on. That's all. There's no power to plug in. Ah, uh, the draw, the power draw, the power is draws through, through the, the Ethernet. Ethernet cable. Like, gotcha. It just nice. feels like magic to me. Um, they did announce like there's a whole bunch of other Eero devices for bigger homes, basically. So you know, if you have a big place, it, it's kind of cool. I feel like the big takeaway for me is that the Kindle Scribe is a really interesting device. Like that is my big takeaway from Kindle, from Amazon, and I hope. Uh, to play with one soon. Did anything leap out at you, Sherlyn? I mean, the, I think what leapt out at me was that there was the the big surprises were front loaded, and that you and I already talked about. The Kindle Scribe was very cool. The I thought the Halo Rise was very interesting. Everything else seemed either incremental or like copying other people, but in a way that like. So here's my takeaway, right? Last year, or I think maybe two years ago, our takeaway from this event, the Amazon Annual Palooza, is that they just do everything other people have done and make it cheaper. But this year, and maybe even last year, but this year more than last, I feel like, you know, they're they're doing different things. Although 
I will keep reminding people that you know other people have already <laughs> did it, right? Like the Kindle Scribe, they're yeah. taking over yeah. Remarkable. Yeah. The Halo Rise, they're copying Google. The Astro Robot, maybe slightly like it's more unique. We haven't seen updates about the Osmo. We didn't see updates about the Echo Frames or the Echo Ring. You know, the 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 finger ring, not the like the camera ring. So like finger ring. Mm. <laughs> um, um. <Phrasing>. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Google yes, also I, had an event, and I bet you can't phrase anything that they did badly. I think I sure can. Yeah, you probably can. Ben, the producer, breaking in for a second here. The podcast team has a joke that important news always drops right after we finish recording, and that happened today. We have a big update on Google Stadia. Take it away, Devendra. Google is officially ending its Stadia game streaming service. This really came as a surprise because uh, it didn't seem like, you know, Google was actually planning to wind things down so quickly. Good thing for subscribers, though. Google says it'll be refunding all Stadia hardware purchases and software and add-on purchases from the store. So at least you're not losing money here. You'll be able to continue playing games until January 18th, 2023. So you can finish, you know, uh, the middle of a game that you're currently in. And uh, Google says they're expecting to have the majority of refunds done by the middle of January next year. Here's a statement from Google. They say the underlying technology platform that powers Stadia has been proven at scale and transcends gaming. We see clear opportunities to apply this technology across other parts of Google, like YouTube, Google Play, and our augmented reality AR efforts as well as to make it available for our industry partners, which aligns with where we see the future of gaming headed. Google goes on to say that they remain deeply committed to gaming. Huh, imagine that. And they'll continue to invest in new tools, technologies, and platforms that power the success of developers, industry partners, cloud customers, and creators. So that's the statement. Uh, they basically just posted a blog post apologizing for all this uh, by Phil Harrison, Vice President and General Manager of Stadia. We've always said that Stadia was kind of a hard sell for Google. You know, a streaming service like this should probably be a subscription type deal, maybe similar to Amazon Luna or something more like uh, Xbox cloud streaming that Microsoft is doing with Game Pass. With Stadia, you had to buy the hardware and you had to buy games separately. And that just never really made any sense. And unfortunately, um, it looks like, you know, just hasn't been popular enough to stick around. RIP Stadia. <laughs> This was an event that I was busy with a review thing, so I totally even missed it. what was happening here. What are what are the highlights to you? Yeah, it was not fun, first of all, because I, you know, Apple's uh, Amazon's event barely wrapped up at one p.m. and Google's event started right, right on the after. dot at Man. one p.m. So I just had to jump right over and start covering. Um, this was Google's Search On event 2022, and it's really focused on Google's products like Search Maps, uh, news, things that like help people explore the world and absorb information, right? Because Google for the longest time and still is, right? The way we make sense of the world, the way we find or learn things, which I hate to give them this much credit, but that's just that's kind of, kind what, of what they've done. Unfortunately, they've done, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. they've, this is what we do now. It's a fact. So um, anything they announce at this event, you you know, usually has a great impact on how we learn. And so there's a lot of like updates coming to um, search. Like we said, there's um, I think one thing that was very intriguing that they did was to make it easier to surface or find search results from forums like Reddit, mm -hmm. for example. Oh, good. So I don't have to go to Reddit. It'll right, you don't actually like have to go. Things. Okay. Exactly. So I find that like a very interesting update. Um, and sort of related to that topic is that um, Google's also kind of 
going to change the way search results look. So with more of a focus on sources like short form video, think YouTube shorts or like, uh, like vertical this. video sources like yeah. TikTok. I know, I know we don't like it, but we got, you have to think about the generation that's going straight to TikTok first for, for, Absolutely, for learning things. But they're, they're probably not going to Google to, to find this stuff, right? Right. So, so it's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, who are you targeting with this? But I guess they're trying to help old people like me understand that there's a TikTok source for this. I don't sure, know. Sure, sure. Um, but it's going to look different. And I mean, Google also wants to make it easier for you to search for things. So part of this update is when you are typing keywords into your the search bar, it'll start you know, surfacing up these little badges or bubbles with like suggested, you know, the autocomplete suggestion, but like more, um, more options than just a long list of autocomplete is like, oh, if you type in the word brownie, it might surface up blondie or something like, you know, like other related uh, categories of things. So you could see that uh, as, you know, coming out in the coming months uh, as an update to search. What I thought jumped out at me though were some of the changes coming to maps let's start with neighborhood vibe vibe check okay i don't even i don't even know where to start with this i think when i uh, i was fortunate enough to be briefed a little bit on this feature and neighborhood vibe basically when you're exploring a new place or any place doesn't have to be new i guess on google maps you'll start seeing these little like colorful zone type things and then as you scroll the photos and videos will pop up about that area to tell you what's popular there um yeah and it's based on google's um i guess posts that people contribute to google maps so the more popular ones will surface uh the data that google has that tells them what places are more popular are also more likely to surface um and then there is some human moderation so you're not going to be like you know if someone if there's like a I don't know, Dick Planet or something that like happens <laughs> uh-huh. to be very popular because uh-huh. bots decided to like give it a lot of upvotes or something. I don't know. Um, you know, there is some moderation going on so that you're not like bombarded by, you know, similar to next door kind of vibes. But I don't, I'm just like, look, I get that you kind of want to check out a neighborhood vibe, I guess, before you go. But like how, first of all, nothing can replace the real thing. And Google's not trying to do that. Well, what do you mean the real thing? By visiting a place and getting yeah, but the it's more about preparing. Vibes. You're you're driving around. You're in a new town. Like, what what is this corner of town like? What is there to see or do here? Like, I, that that is useful. I use Google for a lot of this okay. stuff now. Yeah. So this is something that like suits your like. This is something that you would find helpful. Okay, because I I was struggling to see why. I was just like, <laughs> you're like huh? but I don't go anywhere. Huh? No, I do. I do. <laughs> uh-huh. But I never really thought that I would need something. But th- that's uh, I'll get to like um where this feature makes a bit more sense in a little bit. But anyway, um, I, I'm, I'm glad you think it's, I'm just like, okay, well, what is the tenderloin going to look like? But anyway, I um, mean, you, again, that is something where you're like, ah, new, new person, new to San Francisco has never been there before. You'd be like, oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, never knew, never knew, never knew. I don't know. Can it replace the smells? But anyway, more features coming to Google Maps include um, updates to immersive view and live view. So immersive view is this feature where like in the past it was kind of restricted to, I think, specific buildings or specific landmarks where you get there and then like it'll be it'll show you sort of a, an ARE, VRE like a video of 
what that place looks like so you can explore. Um, so Immersive View is going to expand to more landmarks. It's going to be covering 250 landmarks globally. The live view feature also gets like a search function. So you can use live view now, which is live view is when you um, use the AR, the, your camera viewfinder to see what's around you and get directions overlaid on the real world to tell you turn left here with a big arrow pointing in front of you, right? So now you can use that to search for things like nearby ATMs, restaurants, bathrooms, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, like see what's literally near you, which is cool. Um, and then finally, this is what I'm most excited about. Google's making some updates to food searching. <laughs> okay. This one was interesting. I, the company, uh, Google offered me a, an exclusive interview with their uh, vice president and general manager of local. What, what, did uh, Mr. Google Yul be Kwan. like, yo, Sherlyn, food? You want to talk about food? Yeah, they're like, you're like yeah, ayo, yeah. ayo, we hear you like food. <laughs> ay. um, this is Yul Kwan. Uh, if you find the name familiar, this person used to was a former Survivor champion. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. What? He was. He won. Uh -huh. Yeah. He won Survivor Cook Islands, which is that controversial season of when they separated everyone into tribes based uh -huh. on their uh -huh. race. Anyway, Yul Kwan is Great. Asian. Uh -huh. Yes. Um, cool. Anyway, he won that that season. Uh, represent. I was, you know, surprised and. That, that I got to talk to him, but I was very happy he won. Anyway, he's led a lot of like, he's done a lot of things in his life, right? He's been a small business owner. He's like owned a bunch of Red Mango franchise, like outlets in uh, the California Bay Area. Um, and now he works at Google. Um, I know, what okay. a, like just a lot. Read my whole article for the full story. But basically Google is adding features to make it easier to find specifically the food you want. So for example, you look at like this weird, not weird, but like foreign looking pastry that you don't know what it's called. Um, you can use the AR, like the lens thing to, to identify the pastry, but you can also in the same thread or same search, find a place near you that sells that thing. So it'll both identify the, let's say soup dumplings and then tell you, Hey, uh, Ding Tai Fung nearby has these crab meat dumplings. Even though I I don't think the system is sophisticated enough to distinguish between crab meat and pork dumplings just yet, but okay. Um, it, this is all like stepping to the, towards getting there, right? Like I could imagine maybe the Google Assistant could actually be a good assistant someday and be like, hey, I'm in this new neighborhood. I'm like, what's good for lunch? Dumplings? How's dumplings sounds good? Dumplings sounds good. Yeah. And uh, maybe, maybe it could be something like that. Like, the whole thing is like we look at a lot of this stuff and we're like, who would use any of this? And it's just Google like laying the ground the groundwork for basically, you know, indexing the entire world and directing us, like making us want to go to Google as much as we go to, you know, Google search to figure out things on the internet. I will tell you, maps is still the thing I, I jump I to when I go to a new place. Um if I'm looking for things nearby. Um if I'm looking for restaurant reviews, I in, I hit both maps and uh, and Yelp. And I do feel like Google is like trying to make us, you know, stop going to other services to figure out any of this information. So I know. Okay. I hit I hit maps more than I hit Yelp. I don't even no. I barely even hit hit Yelp yeah. anymore. And a lot of other countries um, don't touch Yelp at all. So Exactly. Yeah. I will say like the all the the company also added a new like uh, feature where you can filter by spice level for the food, which is like <laughs> great for me because I'm a spicy girl. Spicy. But 
mm-hmm. another feature that's coming is uh, dig- like they're updating their digital menus for restaurant listings. So they're going to use more of their like machine learning and AI oh, to good. like yeah. improve those. Yeah, because some that of those digital menus are not yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a mess right now. I tend to use Google Maps. Uh, once you have kids, you're like, all you're doing is searching for playgrounds and places, you know, for place places to bring your kids, basically. And Google Maps recommendations are great because sometimes there are little places that are, don't really pop up normally or don't show up on a large physical uh, visible map. But I did find like a cute little park that's near a park we go to all the time that I had no idea about. It was five minutes away. It has a nice lake and a nice little playground. And I found that because of Google recommendations, you know, and sometimes those things don't even pop up when you're doing a Google search because search doesn't always highlight every single thing. So, you know, it's th- that that little AI engine, you know, helped us find a new park that we'll go to quite a bit. So that sort of stuff so, can be useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So related to that, the last thing they announced on the food front or the restaurant front is that the neighborhood vibe feature that I talked to you all about um, is coming to these restaurant listings as well. So. They want you to understand, better understand like a restaurant's vibe. Is it good for a first date? Is it good for families? So you're, you know, when you go to a restaurant's listing now, Google is again doing some of that curation to surface some of the best pictures to show you what the atmosphere is like. And then also combine it with like some of the more popular reviews that uh, highlight things about the atmosphere and cool, vibe. Cool. So I want, I want more outdoor photos. Like I do want, I kind of want to start going back to restaurants or at least bring my kids to them once in a while. And I still don't want to eat indoors. Like no matter like how like what our safety level is until we're all vaccinated and levels are much much lower, I will not feel safe eating indoors at all. So I need to know like do you have seating outside? Do you have seating in the back? Like what what is the situation here? Can I bring my family here safely? And that is like a really inconsistent thing on Google Maps. So I'm hoping like they they give us more like it would be basically the restaurant's responsibility to show us what's actually there before we it's drive a big up ba- It's a balance. Yeah. And we can talk more about this, but I had a really good conversation about like supporting local businesses and how Google can do that. But that's for another time. I okay. think. Yeah. Cool. Well, okay. Thank you for the Google update. Anything else you want to mention before we break? Uh, no, I'm dead. Okay. Okay. We've got some reviews to talk about. Sherlyn, you have both, uh, you've reviewed the Apple Watch Ultra, which I know we were really looking forward to. And you reviewed the Fitbit Sense 2. I don't even remember this happening. I know. Well, so the Apple Watch Ultra review, I'm still writing, but our review video is up and our review video really focus on, and it zeroes in on the hiking mm-hmm. experience. Speaking of Survivor, um, we just like dumped you in the middle of a forest, right? <laughs> like that was the plan. You, yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I mean, I don't know that that was the plan necessarily, but I tried to stay as like outside of the planning process as I could so that when I got there, I was truly disoriented. You know, Brian beat me up and threw, threw me in the middle of the woods and <laughs> just left me there to die. No, Brian figured out what trail we were taking and all of the all of that fun stuff. And I just went along for the fun of it. And it was awesome. Um, now that I've spent a little bit more time with the watch, uh, not just hiking, because you know what? My, me, when I was hiking with Brian, I was in an extremely good mood. I was like, this is great. So everything I think I thought about the watch there was uh-huh, also like uh-huh. through roast into glasses. Yeah. Of, oh, how how, how long of a hike was this? Were you just like 15 minutes in being like, I'm exercising? Or no, <laughs> no. First of all, come on. You know me. I know you're that. actually exercising now. Yeah. So, so the, so the, um, hike that, Brian had picked the trail was supposed to be like a two, two and a half mile, maybe three mile hike. Uh, but because we kept getting detoured and like, you know, <laughs> and turned he's bringing around. camera gear too. He's carrying yeah. camera gear. So yeah, he's carrying camera gear. Yeah. I was ca- holding just a GoPro, which is nothing. Anyway, um, we, we kept getting turned around. So we ended up making like it was being more like five miles long. We took 
about two hours all in because we were stopping to take videos. We were playing hide and seek. Um, <laughs> okay. We were there. There is a blooper video that yeah. I wanted to show. Corporate people. sanctioned hide and seek. Corporate sanctioned because well, there is a feature on the Apple Watch Ultra called the the siren. It's not called the siren. It is a siren, right? Like it uses the um, I believe three no the two onboard speakers to you know play very loud distress signals just in case you're lost or you're immobile or you find a bear and you have to play loud noises to scare a bear away interesting i didn't know that you do that with bears so thankfully uh, the only bear i ran into was brian um but the (laughs) (laughs) he's not a bear um and then and no but i hid behind a tree uh and had him (laughs) Uh, try to find me based on the sound uh, the watch was playing, and he managed to find me. I, I can granted, that. yeah. Granted, I didn't hide very well. Yeah. You, but, should, you should have been like, um, you're gonna go a mile ahead, and he has to find where you are in the forest, and uh, that's yeah, that's, that's what. Yeah. That's pretty much what that's we what did. did. He he walked away from me, and then I went to hide. Um, and then he came and found me. He did find me. So if you watch the video, you'll see that's what we did. But the the part that got left out of the video is because I was holding the GoPro mm-hmm, uh, while mm-hmm. he held the main camera. I was holding it as I went to hide. And then there's one part of this clip that didn't make it into the final video where I go. <laughs> I thought I found a good hiding spot. I squat and I look. I'm like, oh God, I'm right in front of him. <laughs> somehow ended up hiding right wow. in front of him so i had to like run away with the you GoPro were that kid that kept hand. failing at hide and seek yeah, I, I, was. I can, I can I really imagine was. this right now uh did brian bring his dog or were you guys just uh no out? no it was oh. just us brian did not bring zen zen is the dog star of engadget uh dog star of engadget mm-hmm. but so so during that hiking we did test a lot of the features that were compass based like um uh, wayfinder creating waypoints backtrack um, yeah you said and, you were and, getting yeah. lost i thought the uh, the watch was supposed to help you from from getting lost on trails yeah. Well, it's not because you don't, the, it's not like you're loading a trail onto the watch and it's showing you where to go, right? It's more like this is a a leash almost, like a safety leash, a safety net where like, okay. It's if laying you, breadcrumbs for where you're exactly, walking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's Hansel and Gretel. It's digital breadcrumbs. That is also if I turned it on. So I did turn it on and it did take me through like afterwards when we were done with the hike, we, it took it sort of guided me back in the same direction we came so that feature works it's just kind of not meant to it's i don't know i envision where like if you get lost in the woods and you you have been laying the breadcrumbs but you want to go back to a specific spot on your trail and not like go back your entire trail right imagine you had been meandering taking multiple turns left and right you don't want to go through that entire path again just to get back to a spot where you know mm-hmm. was but you probably can lay just, you can lay like yeah. waypoints on the trail, right? Yep, so maybe exactly. then, then you could be like, so okay, that's this is the camp, feature. And then, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the feature instead. So we we set a waypoint to the parking lot as well as a creek, and we you know use the the parking lot waypoint at the end to navigate back, which was to be fair only four hundred and fifty feet away. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> really, we could hear cars zooming yeah, by at yeah. that point. It's like all right, I should follow the sound. But you know the the watch did a good job at that. But uh, throughout the process, the uh, battery drain became kind of an issue where I think it was just tapping the GPS so much that it was like oh crap. I started the day. At like 91% when Brian picked me up in the car by the end of our tr- trail and uh, by the end of our shoot actually it was at like 50 something really? percent huh. which is very different from my experience with the watch ultra in daily use in daily use it will easily get me to three days on one charge 
Um, which is wild because it's tracking several workouts a day. I am I am at a point where like now I work out morning and afternoon. It's pretty you're, problematic. You're wild. But um, is this yeah. the cellular watch or is this the normal? No, it's not cellular. Okay. So it's a regular GPS um uh watch ultra. And uh oh, wait, wait, I, I, I mean, thought all the watch ultras had cellular. I'm confused. I'm sorry, wait. I didn't set up didn't the set cellular. Up. Okay. So it's not like constantly getting data off of here but uh it is connected to my phone is doing the regular apple watch thing um were there points where you had no internet and it was still like doing stuff what do you mean no if you had no cellular you know when you go on hikes sometimes yeah no i didn't we didn't lose any signal really we we never did Mm -hmm. we were pretty safe uh but that would have been nice (laughs) yeah honestly it would have been a nice way to test out some of the features but the emergency sos features aren't available until november fine but the point i was trying to make is that uh some of my uh exercises include outdoor walks as well and the gps also comes in on that off like my outdoor walks are only like at most one to two miles right so they're not like anything that i want to be very cautious about my pace uh on but if you're a long distance runner there's also like the dual frequency gps now that's supposed to be a bit more uh accurate especially in places with a lot of buildings like manhattan for example um and i've read some of the other reviews that are out there uh where you know people tested it for other specific uses like running in a city and it seems to do very well so i look i hesitate to call this the watch that everyone should get. I think that there's a lot of yeah, like, people at for that whom price? this. Yeah, exactly. $800. I also, first of all, oh my gosh, anyone that follows me on Twitter uh-huh. will know how pissed off I am at the Apple Watch Ultra. Okay. Two things. One, F me with a rock because holy crap, I don't want to wear this to the to bed to test the sleep tracking because it is big. Like it's a 49 millimeter case. It's a uh, titanium. So it's like it's huge. fairly it's light. Huge. It's yeah, but it's huge. Um, the strap that I wore for the first few days was the ocean band. That was the one with the tubular geometry where like, basically it's a bunch of little straws glued together, whatever. It doesn't um, look that one, from what I It's seen. not yeah. super comfortable. That one's more bulky. Um, still not as crap as the galaxy watch five pro to be clear, because it at least like wraps around your wrist nicely. But, but I then switched out to the Alpine Loop, which is uh, the the slightly thinner one, and it's more like a fabric-based. That's way more comfortable. In fact, I've been wearing it with the Fitbit Sense 2 that I also have. It's like they feel about equally comfortable. Still, this thing is not something I want to wear to bed, but I will because I have to test it. Anyway, <laughs> the thing that truly upset me about the Apple Watch Ultra, and I promise we will move on after this, is, okay, so the whole design of the case is for outdoor and rugged use. And so, okay, part of this case is like, oh, yeah, extend it to to protect the screen so you don't have the rounded corners of the screen. Sure. They've also, like, added a bumper to the right edge to protect the um, Oh, I hit my watch on things all the time. So that is a great idea. It's good for Mm -hmm. you. Uh, they've also made the uh, grooves. The grooves on the digital crown are a lot coarser. The the crown itself is thirty percent bigger. Groovier, uh, groovier the crown. Okay. Groovier, groovy kind of crown. And then the the dock button on the on the right is a little like bigger and rise is raised up higher from you know previous Apple watches. And then there's the action button on the left, which you can customize to do anything. Lord Almighty, <laughs> the number of times I have accidentally pushed into any of these things look i i used a very thick pair of gloves like work gloves to test these out and they work so well when you're wearing gloves but when you're not and you're just like in real life wearing this thing 
the placement of the action button is so that like anytime I need to push the digital crown to go back a page or go back to the home page, for example, I I use my thumb on the other side to kind of like brace it a little bit, but I keep accidentally bracing it on the action button. And so depending on what you've set the action button to do, which you can customize, you either like for me, I've been creating waypoints throughout my hike just the whole time, just like, oh, well, no, drop it. Oops, by accident, right? And then after the um the video was shot, I had set it to like um set a hiking workout. And I share my uh, fitness, Apple Fitness Plus, uh, I share my Apple Fitness Plus stuff with Chris Velasco, former former friend of Engadget. Former friend, and wow. Former friend, yeah. yeah, former friend of Engadget. So like in the middle of the day, I'm like just randomly starting hikes by accident. So he like keeps getting notifications that I'm going on hikes. I'm just like, <laughs> no, no, I'm not, chill. Um, and these are like zero minute, two calorie hikes because I'm like, ah, oh, crap, crap, crap. I had to cancel them. Um, and then also, this is the one that pisses me off the most is because the bumper and the buttons that it houses, like the crown and the action button, are so raised, they uh, are so easy to depress that when I do my workouts now, my regular HIIT workouts, I keep pausing the exercise by accident. So I'll be like halfway through my 45-minute workout, look at my watch, and it goes, nine minutes, pause. Do you know how infuriating that is? Workout's only useful if you have the data from it. I mean, Exactly, if I can (laughs) brag about it. If yeah, if you could be so on the leaderboard mad. with your friends and show up, oh, I am on the, doing, yeah. I am. Well, so so far, I am placed second in my entire class of like I don't know how many people, but I am second in the challenge. I'm second place, tracking to stay in second place. So, but so. Apple, other than these annoyances, you do seem to like the Apple Watch Ultra. From yes, what I can tell. unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Apart from which, to be clear, this is quite a big problem, but it is also solvable if I just turn the watch into my like on the other side of my wrist. Um, and then I stop pressing all these buttons by accident. Accidental button trigger is a problem, but everything else, this is basically a very, it's a full featured Apple Watch. You've got the basic Apple Watch experience, plus all these extra things like the compass, like the wayfinder, the night vision screen, the emergency SOS if you need it. There's the long battery life. The battery life is incredible. I mean, again, when I'm not taking it out on a hike and using the GPS yeah, all the time, yeah, it lasts me three days easy. Like I said, I think 60 hours is almost like an on-the-nose sort of as- estimate because it's 48 and change. How, so, how bright does the screen feel? Because I, I do it, see this thing yeah. can hit 2,000 nits, which is eye-searing. I, you know, a little watch like that? Does it Does it? Make I a see you haven't watched our video. Yeah, because <laughs> No, there is Why a... Why would there, I watch got, our videos? Come on. Guess, yeah. guess. <laughs> how dare you? No, we got to a creek and we were like under direct sunlight and we were looking at the screen. It's it's very, it's like very readable. Um, part of it is yes the 2000 nit brightness screen but another part of it is apple has been so consistent throughout the ui to use black background and big lettering bright letters it's just designed for visibility so it's easy to see even in direct Mm -hmm. sunlight the brightness doesn't really hurt uh i haven't really been had my retinas seared off in the theater or in my i feel like this could be the the proliferation of smartwatches has really made a cinema going very annoying because people aren't uh, nice about that so a lot of them aren't smart enough to like dim at you know when you're when you're in a dark room or uh, people aren't taking them off so yeah that's a shame i Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to quickly shout out that I'm also testing the Fitbit Sense 2 at the same time. And now I'm like, I see why everything on Fitbit OS, like why I hated it before. I don't want to 
I don't want to talk too soon because I think I still need to do some troubleshooting with Fitbit to figure out why some of these annoyances are happening. But the Fitbit Sense 2 is the next generation of the company's like higher-end smartwatch. It does everything. It's got a skin temperature sensor. It's got like ECG blood ox, all of that stuff. Um, and it's it, it looks nice. They've redesigned the entire case and everything. That's the a really nice is, design, yeah. It is. The problem is everyone I've told about the Fitbit Sense 2 that's slightly aware of tech, they're like, why is Fitbit still making a watch when the Pixel Watch is around the corner? Yes, yes. Everyone is asking me that. And I'm like, that is a very good question. Pixel Watch may not be exercise oriented too, so. Well, they're supposed to do stuff like the Apple Watch does, so like some exercise features, right? There will be a Fitbit app on the Pixel Watch. Um, And the design is still different. But when 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 I'm confronted with a question and through like my experience with the Fitbit Watch so far, there's just some stuff on it that's so dumb. That's like, why is your why is your UI like this? Why are the features like this? You mean Google um, is bad with consumer products? Hmm. This is not Google. Yeah. This is Fitbit still. It's like Fitbit by Google. Fitbit but by I Google. Feel like this, but yeah. I feel like we're at the tail end of Fitbit doing its own smartwatches. I feel like this product might have been in the works since before the merger. So maybe that's why it still exists. But I I mean, are people more I, excited for the Pixel Watch? Because I feel like Google is a brand where I'm like, I don't, I'm not gonna trust your first gen product. I've been through this before with you, Google. right, right, yeah. right. What do you mean more? More than who? More than what product? More than Fitbit? Like what? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think uh, I don't know if there's a more or less. I don't know that people who like Fitbit are also fans of Google. You know what I mean? Like I don't know that there's a comparison to be made there. But I, I just I struggle with a Fitbit smartwatch that isn't a Google smartwatch because the os is kind of limited it is it, not all this is the an way android this is through. like the fitbit thing right so exactly and so I, I i i have specifics on why but i can't remember offhand right now i say it's like just stay tuned for my more detailed impressions like the review embargo lifted this week i just haven't had time <laughs> to, to I, give y'all I, this is one of those, those things too where it's like I th- where the pixel watch is coming why did fitbit release this at all I feel like somebody could have been like, guys, this is you're just wasting time here. You're kind of wasting efforts unless it's like just for the Fitbit fans for that built in market, I guess. That seems like a bad reason to uh, to, to, to do this. Anyway, we have one quick question from the chat. I think you had mentioned this, but did you try putting on gloves to try the button and crown? And yep, work I exa- absolutely did. Okay. Yes, exactly. And it's in the video. So check it check out. out the please video, watch folks. the video and watch tell us video. if you like the style. Give it a thumbs it's up. It's a very different style. Yeah, please. Um, yeah. I do like more experiential videos uh, because a lot of our videos we also do off of scripts and things like that. And I feel like being out in the wild. This was unscripted. Unscripted. Sure, Lynn. Oh, no. Um, I know. Yeah, that, that seems like a red flag. Uh, it was... Well, no, look, look. We we didn't get the first wave of Apple Watch Ultra Review units. Everyone else that was like... You that had had their videos go up already. So we were like, okay, how can we be a little bit different? And so the answer is unleash an unscripted share into the woods. Without the dog, unfortunately. Unleash <laughs> unleash me, and that's yeah, how we get yeah. a different video. But y'all okay. watch it and let Check me know out, what you and think. And we'll keep an eye out for the print, uh, the written review soon. I mean, this thing, it looks so cool, but I'm also like, I think I will be fine with the series. What are we at now? Eight? Um, which has like the crash sensing and a lot of other things. So, you know, I wish the Apple Watch Ultra was like I more more practical, but it's just so you pretty. Know, that's, that's the other thing. What's funny mm-hmm. is that I think I'm still going to keep wearing this mm-hmm. as opposed to the Series it looks 8 cool. after 
It just yeah, looks cool. Because it's eye-catching. Damn because it. Because everyone will keep asking me, is that the, the that one? The, the They won't know the name, but is that? It's like a conversation We, we absolutely starter. made fun of desk jockeys who would be getting the Apple Watch Ultra, you know? And yeah. I, I feel like within a year, I will be in danger of becoming one of those. But maybe it'll make me be like, I, I spent $800 on a watch. I should go outside and be in nature yeah. in my yes. suburbs. It's, yeah. it's a very aspirational I'll set a waypoint on the way to Starbucks just so I don't uh. get lost. Really? To find the bathroom again. Really Here was a bathroom, bathroom that I liked. Yeah. yeah. Clean bathroom number one. Clean bathroom number two. Another review I just want to quickly mention. I reviewed the Sonos Sub Mini, uh, something I think we have been waiting for a very long time. This is a $429 subwoofer that pairs wirelessly with uh, Sonos's wired speakers. And that's important. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, check out my review and a review video we did uh, all around my home. Unfortunately, we couldn't get audio from this thing because, like, capturing subwoofer sound on a camera yeah. is hard like it's, it's yeah, exactly. unfortunate uh but i put this thing with the sonos arc which is their big boy soundbar i put it with the, the beam in my bedroom and like it it is really nice and really powerful for this price and for something this size uh it is not for everybody it's not for everybody but i feel like for people with sonos gear in an apartment especially where you may want a little occasional low end and you don't want to buy Sonos's freaking ridiculous uh, $749 big sub. The big sub has always been wild to me. Uh, I had one for a while and uh, you know, it was too much. It was too much for an apartment. It was too expensive. I couldn't recommend it to people. This one just makes a lot more sense. Check out my review. I really dig this thing, especially if you, you want to, you want to mm-hmm. send it to me. I don't have a beam. <laughs> you don't have a beam. That's it for the Sonos Sub Mini, but be sure to check out my review and check out the video. Let me know what you think of it. Moving on to some other news. There was there's a big, other news? There, there's other news in, in addition <laughs> to this thing. Intel has had, uh, they had a big tech event this week where they showed off um, a slideable PC <laughs> with Samsung, which <laughs> I feel like, Sherlyn, we have seen... Uh, prototypes of tech like this yeah. being demoed before so basically yeah. imagine you know imagine a normal you know uh screen a normal 13 screen and you just pull it pull it like stretch armstrong and it turns into a 17 inch display and uh kind of cool that's it it's uh it. the company that has done this before is tcl uh-huh. by the way yes. tcl made a slideable phone uh-huh. so this is a bigger version of it it's cool. cool and the demo we see shows like somebody pulling the screen and it just like seamlessly extends and the image just keeps going it is a cool idea i don't we'll probably see a whole bunch of this stuff and if if this tech could ever be practical enough to be like okay we, you could put it in a 15 inch laptop maybe it could if it could be in something like you know an xps 15 and then when you sit down at a table you just like yank the screen and like or you pull it forward um and it makes the screen bigger that could be interesting i feel like the We're, yeah, yeah the mechanics it's black mirror this. territory mm-hmm. yeah it's it's just fascinating. Um, the big thing from Intel, by the way, is uh, the 13th gen CPUs, which this is going to be a very busy month because I'm going to be getting these in to test soon. And this, uh, the 13900K, which is the new top of the line one, uh, has 24 cores. It reaches up to 5.8 gigahertz. We're still not regularly getting, we're, we're not at 6 gigahertz as a standard yet. The 24 cores are, yeah, 24 cores, 8 performance cores, 16 efficiency cores, which is the hybrid design they started doing last year. Um, last year's 12 gen chips, were surprisingly like powerful. Like they they benchmarked higher than AMD. Uh, Intel just took a big leap forward, even though power efficiency and things like that were like 
they had to generate more power. They're still using a, a bigger process than AMD is. Uh, but Intel is definitely cramming a lot of like use out of this uh, out of this thing. Um, let me see here. The the 13900K, uh, Intel says it is 15% faster than the 12900K from last year in single thread cast, uh, 41% faster for multi-threaded work like video encoding and rendering. So a big leap if you have... Um, if you have a 12th gen chip, you probably don't need to upgrade. But I do think for people with like a 10th gen or 11th even um, or anything older, this is probably a good time to go Intel. You'll need a new motherboard for this and AMD's new chips. But man, it, it sounds exciting. And also like even the Core i5s and the i7s are getting like bumped up quite a bit. Um, you know, let me see here. The Core i5 13600K adds four more cores and 200 more wow. megahertz of speed. The i7 13700K wow. now offers up to 16 cores, which these numbers sound big, but again, it's a balance of performance and efficiency cores. So not not like full full speed like AMD, like all of AMD's cores are full speed cores. Um, so interesting though, like from the benchmarks we've seen and from the work we've uh, we've tested with these things, the 12th gen chips were great. Looking forward to seeing like what happens here. Intel also announced a Unison app, Unison, Unison. Uh, this is um, they bought a company called Screenovate last year, and I've talked about this earlier right. around CES. This is an app that will let you text from your iPhone or Android yep. on a PC, yep. text, yep. Uh, transfer files, make calls. This is something um, we've had. You know, Windows has had the My Phone or Your Phone app, but it only works with Android because only Android lets you get into this stuff. The thing about Screenovate is that they had figured out how to do a lot of this through iOS back in the day, and Intel's just kind of like jumping off of that. I did confirm that, uh, unfortunately, you will be uh, a green bubble if you're texting uh, through through Unison. Okay. So that, that's a shame. It's not using iMessage. It's using the standard SMS uh, you know, platform. But it's interesting. Like it is, It could be a good way to text uh, from your phone. But I also feel like a lot of people will just want to preserve their iMessages. So I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It turns out they, uh, Dell already used a version of this, right? In their Dell Dell used Connect. a version of it to, I forget if like Dell's actually worked with iPhones. We never actually got to test it fully. Yeah. So, we don't know if yeah. it actually worked with iPhone, but we did do a video back in, I think, 2016. With, about Dell was Dell using Screen of Connect. It, yeah. Yeah, so so make sure to look that video up because it has some uh, explanation. I didn't even remember that I covered it until Daniel Rubino uh, from I think Windows something Windows Authority. Anyway, uh, tagged me in a tweet saying like, "Hey, this video from Sherlyn uh, explains this thing." I was like, "Cool." So apparently, we already saw this. It's just yeah, better implemented. That's very cool. Um, I'd love to be able to use my phone for my PC. I would, so. but I do feel like so the thing that's really nice about Mac OS and iOS integration is that you're still an iMessage, right? You could still yeah, do exactly. all the iMessage features. You're not losing your bubbles. Uh, uh, yep. I do know iPhones get weird when you start like texting separately while you're trying to do an iMessage chat and like it kind of breaks chats in your, like in your actual like message history. So I feel like that could be really annoying for a lot of people, oh, but we okay. will So see. you would lose the history or something. I don't think you lose right? the history, but it becomes messy if you're like, green texting in in especially if it's like a group uh, chat or something um i don't know we'll have to test it and see how it does uh but hey yeah. 13 stone chips intel unison um unison is also weird because it's only coming to some 12th gen uh systems later this year it's going to come to 13th gen systems next year intel um their head of mobile josh newman uh said that 
It could come to older chips eventually. They're just kind of testing it. And I did press them. I was like, there's no reason this wouldn't work on AMD chips. Like, would you guys partner with AMD to just like let this work so Windows users can, you know, be thrown a bone here? Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. We have a lot of hardware coming in too. I will be getting their new GPUs to chat about in a bit um, to review. We, we have so much hardware. Like I'll have chips from Intel and AMD. Um, we have GPUs coming from other companies. And it's going to be a busy, mm. busy time. I have to rebuild my PC, folks. So it's that time of the year or every couple of years. It's exciting, but boy, is it going to take a long, long time. Hopefully by next week, I will have fully rebuilt and everything will be working. We shall see. And speaking of Intel Unison, be sure to stay tuned to the end of this episode for our interview with Josh Newman, VP of Mobile Innovation at Intel. We dive into the specifics of Unison, kind of what led into it, and uh, where he sees this technology going. In other news, NASA successfully smacked its DART spacecraft into an asteroid. This was a test, uh, I remember reading about this too, and you can read our story, but basically a small vehicle, um, they, they just struck into an asteroid to see if like we could use this technique, potentially use this technique to stop an asteroid that was actually headed for Earth. They did it. Thanks to the power of math, uh, yeah, this, this thing was only about that. the size of a vending machine, so that's cool. We can destroy small asteroids now in case of, uh, in case of threatening life threatening life Earth i don't know like planet planet threatening stuff mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. uh we can't do what was the the dumb no the comet the comet was from the bad the netflix movie that was kind of so so right moon moon not the one with the, dicaprio yeah oh don't look up don't, don't look, look up don't look up, up. Yeah. uh yeah. yeah we hey maybe maybe we could do this down the line maybe i don't it, it's more feasible than sending a bunch of miners up there to slowly chip a asteroid into small pieces. I feel like that technique would take a little more work, um, but it's very cool to see this happen. We also see all the news about Ura's, uh, Ura's third generation smart ring. Uh, do you uh, do you like this thing at all, Sherlyn? Like I know people like it. Yeah, no, a lot of people are very into this. I haven't just tested one myself yet, but I'm probably gonna call one in soon. Uh, this is the, for me, the draw is that it's a small wearable. And I still do want to track my sleep. I just don't want to wear a watch. So a ring could be something that I wear to sleep instead of, a, 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 I guess, bedside tracker or a watch. And this so, one is finally getting smooth edges, which is nice. Exactly. Because I can, I can not going to wear a ring with sharp edges. What are you talking about? Um, wow, it took them three generations to do this. But okay. And yeah, we'll see. Mm -hmm. we'll, I mean, I can't, I, I'm just excited because I think that there's... A lot of interest in a product like this, and I thought people should know we it's, have a third generation cool. version coming. It's out. very yeah. cool. Um, it's yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Um, let's move on to what we're working on. Honestly, I don't. I, I mentioned what I'm working like, uh, but I'm juggling a bunch did, of yeah. stuff. There's too much. Sherlyn, are you yeah. are you one of shouting anything out, or are you just dead from? Yeah, the Fitbit reviews on its way. We've got a lot of other reviews in the works because people can't stop trying to kill us. And then we have the Pixel event next week. Uh, we will be live blogging, I believe, uh, from the event. So make sure to stay tuned to Engadget.com for the details and for the live blog. Come come check me, be sassy in, t in text. Come, come check it out. There's also a Microsoft event in a couple weeks. So it's a busy, busy time. And actually, yeah, I got to make plans for that too. So we shall see. Uh, I, I want to, I'm, I, I like have my invite and I want to go with you all, but I think they're trying to keep me from killing myself. Yeah, so. no, I think the whole point is to, to avoid that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to maybe going into New York and actually doing this in person. So we shall see. Let's move on to pop culture picks. Sherlyn, uh, Shirley, again, every week I can look forward to uh, some 
nice intellectual discourse nope. from your pop intellectual. culture picks. Hey, Please. hey, actually, yes, there is yes, intellectual yes, discourse this time. So this time I uh, uh, couldn't think of what I've been watching except for a trashy show called The Bachelorette. Now, to be clear, I do not want to recommend that you watch The Bachelorette <laughs> okay. because... Partly because the Bachelor franchise is very problematic. We've just been talking about okay, it for so the, years, then yeah, seasons yeah. and Bachelor seasons in Paradise now. is 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 it part, part of, the of the Bachelor? Is it a exactly. spinoff? What's going on here? So Bachelor in Paradise is part of the franchise, but it is um, different a different formula. Okay. So Bachelor in Paradise <laughs> just kicked off in on Tuesday this week. Um, and it basically draws from all of the failed slash non-successful uh, uh, love finders. Is that what we'll call them? Uh, uh, single people from previous franchises. And they put them all on an island. And they're like, get drunk and hook up. Uh, and, and then try to leave here as a couple. Because if you don't, you know, then boo. Sucks to be you. Um, the show is very heteronormative. The show's used to be very, you know very one-tone white mostly white candidates and stuff like that but they're trying to be a bit more diverse but they're still having a lot of problems with that i want to shout out that like the there was a lot of um public discourse at least in bachelor nation which is what bachelor watchers call themselves um that the current winner of the bachelorette and by winner they mean the person that she picked to get married to right um the current winner has a history of like some drama and of the two controversies that were kind of in the conversation during um the finale season uh one of them was some of his texts to an ex-girlfriend and another was a photo of him wearing blackface that surfaced right right. and right but like instead of you know focusing the finale and giving some time to talking about that the producers were like now we're going to talk about your texts because I guess it's more relevant to the discourse. I don't know. But it's it's something that the producers of The Bachelor have kind of sidestepped for a very long time. They did that their one episode where they're like the first black bachelor. And then that season was nuts. And they didn't like they did just and they've never really, you know, done better since. They've not made a consistent effort. They changed their hosts because of their um, you know some of the criticism they've received about being a little too archaic or whatever. So anyway, I I, I want to just say that I think the Bachelor franchise should have talked about the blackface mm-hmm. controversy. Mm-hmm. I think they should do better. Um, and maybe if more people were aware of this controversy, there would be more pressure. But I think there is a huge audience already, so I'm not adding too much to this. However, Bachelor in Paradise is a little bit more fun. You see a lot more... Uh, natural organic relationships form, but you still see a lot of people being idiots. And for that, that reason alone is why I watched this show is because <laughs> I just feel better about myself watching people being idiots. And if you want to, sure. you can. Sure. There, there you go. Uh, there you go. As for me, uh, I just want to quickly shout out the, uh, the Avatar re-release in theaters. I, did you ever see Avatar Shalin? Yes. Okay. Have several, several times. times. Okay. So you're, you're one of those folks that saw it multiple times. Uh, you know, uh, I, I enjoyed going back to the theater to see this. It was in better 3d than I think I originally saw it in the remaster also does some interesting stuff. Um, there are high frame rate scenes, um, for some of the action scenes. So it actually makes things look a little smoother. Uh, it was a good experience and I have not watched this movie since it like first hit theaters because I just have no desire to watch it at home. And there is a big conversation going on about like the cultural relevancy of this movie. You can check out my podcast, the film cast about that. Cause I, I basically 
did a whole data dump about why this is happening and just why it's weird. Like, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but it is weird that the highest grossing movie of all time has kind of left very little impact on our pop culture. If you want to hear the data, I bring up numbers from fanfiction.net, Google Trends. Like, there's there's all sorts of stuff. uh, Fanfiction.net. Which genuinely shows that nobody is, like, engaging with uh, Avatar as a franchise or as a you know, as, as a subject, uh, it is just weird. It's just weird. But I did enjoy seeing the re-release. I think watching it again, the movie doesn't hold up as much for me. Like a lot of like a lot of the things, the white savior narrative, the fact that they're essentially just, um, you know, alien uh, native Americans or alien natives and like tribal cultures. It's just like a remix of tribal, so many exactly. things in on earth. Um, that, that part of it just didn't really sit right with me. Also Sam, uh, Sam Worthington, not great. Kind of sucks. Not great. Um, but I did like the visuals. I did like going to the journey to see Pandora again. So if you liked Avatar, if you've never seen it before, there, there are kids. There are kids who are like 10 years old now who have never had the opportunity to see this movie in theater. So uh, it is worth it. And there's a short clip of the next movie at the end. And that was beautiful. I do think like clearly they've made some huge leaps in CG quality, especially water. Like the water stuff, the next movie is called The Way of Water. Um looks incredible so i'm not excited for it as a narrative but certainly as an experience as a theatrical experience it's going to be very intriguing so check out avatar if you can check out my full thoughts at the filmcast at thefilmcast.com well that's it for the episode this week everyone thank you as always for listening our theme music is by game composer dale north our outro music is by our very own terence o'brien the podcast is produced by ben elman you can find Davindra online at... At Davindra on Twitter and at the Filmcast at thefilmcast.com. If you think you can do better than me on my daily workout challenge, you can send me your challenge on Twitter. I am at Sherlyn Lowe. But you will not Even, become a friend. Like, just, just to be no. clear. We're, yeah, we're not <laughs> friends. Email us your thoughts at podcastedengadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. Here's our chat with Josh Newman, VP of Mobile Innovation at Intel, around Unison, their new tool that will let you be able to send texts, make calls, transfer files uh, on your PC to iOS and Android devices. We have definitely seen products like this around Android phones on Windows, like the Your Phone app uh, from Microsoft. But bringing in iOS is certainly a new thing. And I want to chat with Josh about, you know, how Intel accomplished this and uh, where they see this technology going down the line. Here's Josh. What what uh, we're we're excited about and what we're trying to do at Intel with Intel Unison is bring is solve a real um, customer pain point or customer need, uh, which is you know they people go to their laptop to get or to their PC to get really important work done, um, and their sessions they tend to want to be focused. They want to you know it's something important, but they also want to stay connected with all of their devices while they're in their laptop. So it's it's a distraction, for example, to be working on something deeply and then, you know, go your phone rings or you get a text and to to, to divert your attention from the laptop to to go look at the phone and, and deal with that. It's much easier if you can stay in your zone, in your focus and handle some of those interactions seamlessly just from the, the laptop. And so but we also believe 
everybody is different. People, you know, different PC users use different devices. Some use iPhones, some use Android phones, um, different tablets and so forth. So uh, we wanted to bring a solution that could be done in an open way as possible, built on top of standard APIs and interfaces so that we can provide that choice, that uh, uh, ability for customers that are using their PCs and need these kinds of multi-device experiences to enrich their overall laptop or PC experience, um, right? We wanted to be able to have that be an open, an open uh, way that they can choose uh, the kinds of devices they want to use and not be locked into a specific one. Yeah, and we we had a great chat around CES, I believe, uh, when you guys were kind of teasing out this information. And we reported on the the acquisition of Screenovate. Uh, Screenovate is a company we've looked at, you know, for years actually. I know Dell has used some of their tech too for for a similar PC Connect uh, software. Can you talk about like what what is Intel doing to improve upon it and expand upon what Screenovate is offering? So the big thing we did was by bringing the Screenovate team into Intel, we were able to take their the technology that they had to deliver these experiences over open standard interfaces and APIs, and then pair that up with uh, Intel's deep capabilities in the PC connectivity stack. So think about our Wi-Fi and our Bluetooth, um, some of the work we're doing on modems, um, and and also some of our platform capabilities. So to think through you know, how do you not just how do you make everything work together through the connectivity and make sure it's persistent and easy, but also how do you make sure that it's low power? How do you make sure that while you have this always on application uh, connecting your devices that you're not hurting the other performance of the system? And so bringing some of our platform engineering expertise to, to it. So the combination of screen-based technology and Intel's approach to delivering customer experiences on the PC platform, working with the OEMs, working with the ecosystem, that we've delivered through Intel Evo, um, those things come together in a really uh, symbiotic way. And um, so, so that's the, the, the way we're going to bring it to market first is actually through Intel Evo so that we can stay very focused on the quality of the experience. It will be really focused on integrating with specific designs. And we know the customers of Intel Evo are the ones who tell us they really need this feature the most. Um, but it is our intention to scale it even beyond that in the future. But we want to make sure the quality is just, you know, absolutely world class first and that it's a great experience and we can learn fast and make it better. And then we'd look to, you know, even go bigger beyond Eva. Gotcha. So I, I do want to chat about like where this is going to be available first, but I, I'm intrigued by this technology just because we've seen sort of uh, we've seen some Android applications that could get an Android phone to connect with the PC pretty well. Uh, but the iOS side of things has always been super tough. Can you like give us a sense of like how, you know, uh, Intel Unison is doing this? I'm sure there's a lot of stuff you can't talk about, but, you know, how, how are you guys actually getting access to everything iOS does? Because it seems like that stuff has been locked off by Apple for so long. Yeah, what I kind of leave it at is this is this is some of the expertise uh, in standard interfaces that ScreenEvate brought to the table. Um, and so they, they were able to do this early and do it in a way that takes advantage of the open interfaces and APIs that are that are available, not just in Android, but also uh, th those that that iOS supports. And so that's you know, we're really just built building on top of that um, and then trying to assure the quality as you integrate to the platform is is uh, world class. Does a unison conversation, does it continue as iMessage or does it show up as like, you know, green bubbles SMS on, on iOS? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's using SMS. So it's right. So the now the actual color of the bubbles, you know, we're going <laughs> to show up a little bit differently in the UI. But 
but it is um, it, it is using the the SMS. Gotcha. Stack so yeah, so so somebody I know who is you know on an iPhone or something or seeing these messages will see them on their phones as as green bubbles, basically as if an Android device was texting them. I guess right. It would be it would be it would be similar. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Again, I mean, it, it's it's using mm-hmm. the open interfaces that are available. Right? I kind of expected that. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And you guys have talked about you're you're launching first on some 12th gen uh, Evo systems, soon to come on 13th gen systems. Um, first of all, like, how are you saying? Uh, can you say like what type of dev- devices specifically you're going to start this off with? And um, I know you want to expand it eventually, but will we ever see older processors and older systems supported with this? Yeah, so let me take that in order. I think um, we're going to start with a few uh, few lap- Evo laptop designs based on 12th gen from Lenovo, HP, and Acer. And you'll see more of you know those designs coming to the market later this year. Um, and those are really just the first ones where we're integrating the software, validating it, making sure it works, the quality is excellent. And then as we get to next year with the 13th gen core and the new edition of Evo, um, we'll have a, we'll be covering a much wider range of those Evo systems. So it'll be much more broadly available within the Evo range of products. Um, and again, it, that was really a pragmatic approach we took to make sure that we focus the scale so that we get the quality right first and then scale because it has to be a wonderful experience to, to really uh, delight customers. Gotcha. Is there is there anything specific about the 12th and 13th gen chips that will make this you know easier or ready to work, or is it possible to run on older systems eventually? Yeah. So it's it's the integration with our current Wi-Fi and Bluetooth stacks, making sure the latest features are available on those. Um, so it is. There's nothing technically prohibiting it from running on other platforms or older platforms. But our what we want to make sure is we're optimizing and tuning the experience with sort of the known um, capabilities of the connectivity and the overall platform and then focus going forward on you know future pc designs to make sure they're meet they're meeting those requirements um so you won't you know at least in the in the short term it's not a plan to go make it backward compatible to ever to the installed base um, because we want to make sure we're starting from a, a good set of connectivity drivers and capabilities to assure that it's a great experience and then we'll you know, push forward to innovate and make it more more broadly available from there. Gotcha. And I have to ask: uh, Is Intel thinking about um, will will could this ever run on an AMD system? I would say never say never at this okay. point. <laughs> cool. I mean, yeah, we love to see the competition between you guys, but also you know, working together is always helpful for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. What what I would say is technically it's possible. As I said, in the short term, we want to make sure we understand every aspect of the connectivity stack and the like to get the quality experience right, and then look at how we can scale it. Um, we do, just like you said, want this to be the choice for device connectivity to the PC. And we kind of look at, you know, the, an open approach is the best way to do that. Um, so we are f- taking that into consideration in our, our future plans. Um, I would, you know, the um, you know, important kind of thing here is is making if we can make it that the sort of standard for the PC long term, that's great because then future devices, you know, if it's a future device OS release or a future device that we haven't even thought of yet, they'll look at this as the one they have to make sure it works well with. And so you'll get that that uh, network effect of the overall industry. And that's that's really how we see it playing for the long term. And that's that's how, how we really want to make it happen with the open industry. 
Gotcha. It is. Uh, I, I'm a Windows and PC user at heart, but I do use a lot of Macs at work. And that, that one thing, that little iMessage synchronization does make life a lot easier when I'm using a Mac, unfortunately. Um, you know, just looking ahead, um, can you talk more about like what the capabilities are in Unison? I, I assume texting. Will we see file transfer? Will we see like rich uh, RCS support or something like that? Yeah. So there's a there's a few things in the first version and the so the first thing I'd say is the architecture is a very extensible architecture. We've, we, the way we've architected the application and the capability, it's got um, it can use multiple connection links, whether it's Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, uh, 5G, cloud. Right? There's different ways to get connectivity, and then there's we can build in redundancy. So depending, if you think about being on a uh, a hybrid network, right, your PC might be on the Wi-Fi while your phone's on the on the WAN or the 5G. You know. The, the app our solution can solve for them still communicating. Um, the first version is going to have four core capabilities. One is text messages. Um, two is phone calls. Uh, the third is file transfer and fast file transfer. And then the fourth is um, notifications. And you know, and depending on the you know the device. So in the case of the open RCS, you know whether it's uh, you know, the, the notifications are using it or it's for the messages. Yes, they can they can be taking advantage of those richer RC, RCS capabilities. Um, on the file transfer, um, really big focus for us was the um, kind of the speed with which, you know, if you take a photo, how quickly it shows up in your gallery, yeah, how quickly yeah. that, that transfer happens. Or if you drag something into the application on your PC, how quickly it shows up is ready to take on your phone. Um, and then the UI overall, the user interface, just very intuitive, very easy to use. Um, everything is where it should be. So a lot of focus there on designing a, a user interface for this that uh, you know, we believe customers will pick up on very easily for those four capabilities. As you go forward, um, as we think about future versions of this, we're looking at uh, doing a lot of customer research, customer experiences people need the most, you know, extended screen to tablets, uh, any tablet, Android, iPad, what have you, um, and using your tablet or your PC to control one or the other. These are things that we're looking at for the future. We have, you know, you know demoware that we even showed earlier this year at CES, but um, we do expect that's you know on the horizon because uh, we know it's a uh, another great need and desire. PC users have. As a Windows fan, I've been waiting for something like this forever, and I've tried other solutions before, and they've been kind of so-so. So I'm interested to see like how this goes for you guys. Anything else you want to mention, Josh, about Unison, or you know, how, just how things are going for you guys at Intel? Yeah, no, thanks for that opportunity. Um, no, I mean, Intel Unison is a is a, it's really just the beginning. We're going to be sharing this week the details uh, uh, and yeah, you know, just as we're doing here, and we're very excited to get this product out there. Um, you know, the, the key thing is what we're also building into this product is the ability to update it quickly. So we'll, we're going to be learning fast. We want to make sure the quality is outstanding, but we're going to be learning fast and you know making the updates and continuing. And so really big focus for us. We know we're solving you know re some real customer needs here, and it's you know we're taking it very seriously. And then looking forward to getting out to the market, getting the customer's hands learning what else we could be doing better or differently or more of and, and, and uh, you know, building that out over time. Cool. So. All right. Thank you so much. Looking forward to testing this out, Josh. All right, Devinder. Thanks so much for the time.